Warning! This episode contains foul language, references to politics and religion, and may be stress-inducing. podcast for all things strange, unusual, paranormal, supernatural, creepy, sticky, gross, scary, and everything in between. Each week we get to sit down and talk about something weird, and this week is no exception. This world we're living in today is scary, and it seems like people will believe anything. Is it a new phenomenon, or has it always been this way? What kind of people are more susceptible to believe the memes and the Facebook posts sent in by your Aunt Jan? Today we're going to try and answer these questions and more as we talk about one of our all-time favorite topics, conspiracy theories. My name is Ashley and this is my co-host Lauren. Hi, (laughs) I'm Lauren. (laughs) I have a podcast with my friend Ashley. (laughs) Hi. That's a really good Lauren impression. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, Lauren. Just kidding. My co-host today is my handsome fiance, Joe. Hello, everyone. Yeah, there. That's Joe's voice. Yes. It's more like it. <laughs> uh, Lauren won't be joining us today. It's a super bummer, but her and I are going to record a conspiracy episode, too, so that she doesn't feel too left out on one of her favorite subjects. Lauren's busy being a great mom right now, everybody. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Sorry. Sorry it's ruining your podcast episode, <laughs> but there's a child that needs a mother. Um, she said today when I was texting her, um, that she thinks maybe Wilder might be in terrible two territory. Uh oh. Mm-hmm. It happens. It's a little fussy. And, it happens to the best of us. You know. Both my sisters were fussy. Were they? One more than the other. I'll let Haley and Allie fight that one out. <laughs> so. This week, I get to sit down with you, my other favorite person. Yeah. And also, I have to say, uh, happy birthday. Oh, why, thank you. Yeah, actually, this this episode is being recorded several days prior to my birthday. It will be released on my 35th birthday. So on your birthday. Happy birthday to this old cunt. So I expect all you guys to wish Joey a happy birthday, oh, too. shucks. Thanks, everybody. 35 never felt so great. What was it that I said to you last night when we were talking about uh, time being a construct and a flat circle and all of that? Or I you said, said I'll have other. Yeah, because you were, you were yeah you were bummed <laughs> that because of COVID that we're not going to be able to really do anything for my birthday. And I said that's okay, honey. This isn't my only thirty fifth birthday. <laughs> little uh, little uh, non linear time joke there for you listening at home. Oh my god. So what are we talking about today? Aunt Jan and her stupid Facebook opinions? Pretty much. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, so today we're talking about conspiracies. It's um, one of our favorite topics here on the show. Sure uh, is. I was a little hesitant to do conspiracies because I think that um, there are a lot of conspiracies today rubbing people the wrong way. But I think that the, you know, sort of the way that we're looking at it this week is going to be 
it's going to be nice for everybody. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it because um, I'd be lying if I said that I had never ever dipped my toe into the conspiracy theory pool. Still do to this day. But, you know, aside from the uh, the kind of general, you know, eye roll and, you know, thumb gestures that are usually uh, accompanying conspiracy theories, uh, in addition to that, I mean, like, some of these folks today are making it so that, like, I can't tell people that I'm I believe in certain conspiracies anymore. Yeah, is, I'm just getting lumped in with a whole new group of people these days. You know, like once upon a time, you used to just like you know think that the Kennedy assassination ran deeper than Oswald, and you were a conspiracy theorist. And some of these people are like you know t- taking the game to new heights here. You know what I mean? I do know what Vern. I do know what you mean. Yeah. Here's the thing. I decided not to drink a Croix so I wouldn't be belchy. And what am I doing? Belching, belching like away. a pig. Just belching away. All right. Well, we'll get into our topic today. I'm actually going to go first. And today I'm going to be talking about anti-vaxxers and the anti-vaccine movement. Um, sort of like where it started, where it is today, the you know uh, myths and facts um, involved. And... Uh, I don't know. I I did want to kind of start to just say I don't automatically hate you if you're anti-vaccine because I understand, especially after doing this research, I understand a little bit of like where it comes from. Um, however, I'm on the cusp of hating you. Yeah. However, <laughs> at the however, uh, you know, polio is not exactly a walk in the <laughs> yeah, park. So. You know, no no pun intended there. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, yeah. And I'll, I'll circle back around to that. I just wanted to, I, I kind of wanted to say it just right out of the gate so that if anyone out there is, is sort of teetering or is fully anti-vax, that you know I'm not, uh, I'm not just going to attack you the whole time, but I am going to teach you some stuff that you probably, uh, need to hear. Everybody, so- everybody loves their children. And there are plenty of people who will hear something. And it will just stick. Yeah. And for one reason or another, it is seemingly becoming increasingly difficult to get people to budge from their knee-jerk reactions to the first bit of information they encounter. Yeah. So um, I, I actually think that we should start with a history of vaccines, which sounds titillating. Yeah, let's get to my <laughs> man Jonas. Um, no, I'm not going to go that far. But it, basically what a vaccine is, is it's simply a product that stimulates a person's immune system to produce immunity to a specific disease, which then protects that person from that disease. And the earliest vaccines in history uh, seem to come from the year 1000 uh, back in China. AD? Yeah, AD. There are several accounts from the year 1500 that describe smallpox inoculation practiced in China and India. And here's the thing. Vaccines used to be super gross. No, you don't (laughs) say. You mean people a thousand years ago used to do weird stuff to inoculate themselves? Tell me more. So like today you get a shot and you're like, this sucks. But back then what they would do is literally grind up smallpox scabs and blow the matter into your nostrils. Little shoddy action there for you. Yeah. Or uh, I mentioned this before on an episode back in the 1700s during like Catherine the Great's reign, they would take pus from the sores and put it under their tongue. 
That is one of the more so. disgusting sentences I've ever heard. So just be grateful. It's just a shot. Yeah, good. Because Go ahead it could and complain be way about worse. That. No, my arm's Ouch. sore for a day and a half. Ouch. Yeah, well, There's a bruise. We could put pus under your tongue. I could tongue. put a bunch of pus in your mouth. And then as time went on, basically, instead of putting it in your mouth, which is very gross, it was still kind of gross. They would take the pus from um, a sore and then they would like scratch your arm yeah. and put it on the scratch in your arm. So still, I'd rather have a shot. So it seemed to all start with smallpox. We kind of had to get one that taken care of because it killed so many people. (laughs) Yeah. And it started with the Chinese and then it just progressed and progressed until it was just about perfected in the 1800s. Um, And then uh, Louis Pasteur's rabies vaccine was our next big leap. That was in 1885. Uh, But the 1900s was kind of where it was at because that was sort of the dawn of uh, microbiology and bacteriology. We were able to see and understand it. So we were able to develop antitoxins and vaccines against diphtheria, tetanus, anthrax, cholera, plague, typhoid, tuberculosis, etc., etc. And then in the mid-20th century, we were able to grow the viruses in labs, which led to rapid discoveries and innovations, including creating the vaccine for polio, mumps, and measles. So vaccines... Quite frankly, are a miracle. They're quite literally a (laughs) life-saving endeavor. They are a miracle. The amount of lives that they save and have saved in the past is incalculable, but... Literally incalculable. Yeah, you can't... Like, that's not a cop-out. Like, literally incalculable. Especially if they're stretching back over a thousand years. Oh, my gosh. But despite what science and medicine proves, there are still people who are against vaccines. Sure. And it started way before you think it did. For example, in 1721, Boston was ravaged by smallpox. Um, In about four months, 844 people died. 900 people left town in fear. And there were only 12,000 people there at the time. So that's a lot of people. This is still more than 50 years until uh, this, this was a sovereign country. Yeah. Yeah. But during this epidemic, a physician named Zabdiel Boylston. That's not a guy. Oh, Boylston. Yeah. Oh, no way. Why? Okay. Who's- oh, it's, it's, a, it's a major street in Boston. Oh, really? Yeah, and I, I never knew about- where Boylston came from. Yeah. So there you go. So he's the one that saved Boston. Well, you know what? The least they can do is name a major road <laughs> after you. One street after him. He actually ended up vaccinating um, hundreds of people and kind of introducing vaccine to America. I mean, we had... Or at the time, they weren't even called vaccinations. What were they? Virulation? Inoculations? Virulations? Virulations is what they were called. Um, but he really Virulation, brought it in. So of the people vaccinated, only six of them died. The data showed that the fatality rate for vaccinated people was about 3%, but unvaccinated people was 14%. Okay, so five times less likely to die. Yeah. But even then, uh, a physician that worked with Boylston, his name is Cotton Mather. He was uh, basically a huge promoter for vaccinations. He was the one that sort of like kind of like a hype man. Yeah, he was. He yeah, or like a so a Bo- so like so like Boylston was uh, Biggie Smalls, and uh, and uh, Mather was like Puffy. Yep, kind of a thing. Yeah. Now, who was who was Mace? Who was Reverend Mace in this equation? Is there a third guy? Alexander Hamilton. Is it Alexander Hamilton? No, I have no idea. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. All right, <laughs> I continue. don't understand Sorry. your going, reference, going, going and I don't have a third Sorry, person. I got distracted by late 90s hip hop. Continue. 
So anyways, uh, physician Cotton Mather, he was widely criticized in his role for promoting vaccinations. At one point, he even got a grenade thrown through the window of his house with a note attached that said, Cotton Mather, you dog, damn you, I'll inoculate you with this. So it's comforting to know that morons have yeah. always They've existed. always existed. So I, I take it this was a dummy grenade, or was this a real grenade that it just didn't a, go off? Um, it was a... How did they put it? A de- makeshift a de- a deactiv- grenade. Oh, so it was supposed to explode. It was supposed to explode. That is a pretty lengthy note to put on an explosive device. <laughs> that's supposed to go off. Yeah, it's like it goes. So wait, so <laughs> I'm having I'm str- I'm really struggling with that one because a grenade is an interesting thing to attach a long note to. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Mather, you dog, if you think you can get away with this whole vaccination business, you've got another thing coming, brother. When my family first came to these shores over a hundred years ago, we never in a million... This is an explosion, man. Come on. the dude. By is- the time he figures Come out on. what came through his window. Yeah. Or maybe the note was in the event it didn't explode. Because grenade comes through and it's like, oh, shit, grenade, run. And then you run away and it doesn't go off. And then like 10 minutes later, you come back in the room and you're like, oh, there's a note attached to it. What does it say? All right, yeah. I'm done. But, but <laughs> that's, that's a good point. Now, I, I wish I could remember the exact word that was used to describe this grenade. I didn't write it down, but it was basically like uh, it wasn't a dummy grenade. It was, it was supposed to It explode. did have the potential to go kaboom. Just a, a man-made Just incendiary to, device. Yeah. So there have always been people who are anti-science. Usually these are very religious people who believe that God will take care of them, which is sweet. Um, But if I were to take a religious view on science, um, I would say that science is given to us by God. Wouldn't you think? I think it was Galileo, actually, who said, I do not feel obliged to believe that the same God who has given us sense, reason, and intellect intended us to forego their use yep couldn't agree more right oh galley thanks thanks galley whoever said italians were good for nothing all right (laughs) (laughs) Um, i'm just kidding come on there's no such thing as anti-italian sentiment in my veins yeah that ferrari blood is boiling within you yeah i feel like god could have easily squashed science early on if he didn't think it was going to be a miracle you know what I mean? It's just, uh, I mean, I remember Jimmy Carter saying something to the same effect. Because Jimmy Carter, obviously, you know, a, a pretty a pretty maligned president during his presidency. He inherited a, a real shitstorm and, you know, didn't, you know, necessarily have a great presidency, single-term president. But he's also a devout Christian. Yeah. In spite of the fact that he's pretty left-wing in all of his politics. A devout Southern Baptist, I think Baptist or Methodist Christian. And uh, and he weighed in on the whole science versus religion debate and was basically like, why does it have to be one or the other? Yeah. Why is it why is it impossible that evolution is part of God's plan? Who's who's to say that it has to be one or the other to watch people who have really no definitive proof on either side dig in so mightily? It's really a shame because I don't think that science needs to come at the expense of religion, and I don't think that religion has to come at the expense of science. I agree with you. My feeling is, is that every single time that you thank God after the doctors save your child or your husband from death, you should be thanking God, but you should be thanking God for science. 
Thank whoever you feel like thanking. Just be grateful and don't diminish anyone's abilities or contributions. Yeah. So anyways, the actual term for this is vaccine hesitancy. And and it's usually formed by two factors. Aside from, there's obviously, like I said, the religious thing. But aside from religion, there's the a person's lack of confidence, which is basically the mistrust of the vaccine or the healthcare provider, um, or complacency, which is like the person doesn't see a need for the vaccine or doesn't see the value of the vaccine. Sure. Yeah. And vaccine hesitancy throughout history has resulted in disease outbreaks and deaths from very preventable diseases, which is very sad. So scientific evidence for the effectiveness of large-scale vaccination is well-established. We have an enormous amount of data proving that vaccines save millions of lives. Actually, per year, the full vaccination of children in the United States saves 33,000 lives and prevents 14 million infections Wow! in a year. That's quite a bit. Some people are vaccine-hesitant. Because there can be risks involved. There is the potential for a severe allergic reaction. There is the potential for health complications. However, even though these things are possible, they are extremely rare and so much less common and less severe than the risks from the diseases they prevent. Sure. One of the most famous anti-vaxxer campaigns would be the link between vaccinations and autism, of which there are are none there are no, no links whatsoever. I, you know i'm actually not much of an expert on this subject that's right i i admit it i there's something i don't know there's a lot something about Joe does. and i'm still you know trying to come to terms with it so just bear with me here because i have you know i remember when i first heard that you know that it not not that it caused it but that it could cause it and that and has caused it and then i heard no that's not true but I've never really done any research on my own on the subject in no small part to the fact that I've already been vaccinated for everything and I don't have children. Right. So educate me, please. Well, what happened was, it's so stupid. So what happened was in 1998, a British doctor named Andrew Wakefield claimed that he had found a link between autism and the MMR vaccine, which is the measles, mumps, rubella vaccine. And he published his findings. Well, one, it was a study on 12 individuals, which is not a study. It's a pretty small sample size. <laughs> Two, the study was investigated, and not only was it discovered that he completely falsified his data, but also that he had been paid by a law board to find out if there was evidence to support a litigation case by parents who believed that the vaccine had harmed their children. Wow. And after review... The medical paper was retracted and he lost his medical license. He is no longer allowed to practice medicine because of this. But the but the message lives on. Doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, and it's even already though, in people's brains. Yeah. There have been numerous studies. Like I couldn't even count. I kept finding one after the other after the other that have been um, done since then that have thoroughly debunked the idea. There is absolutely not a single. There's no way that it causes autism now experts believe that the reason this myth is so persistent is because autism is on the rise and we don't know why because we don't know what causes autism is it on the rise in terms of sheer numbers of documented cases or is it based on percentage of population uh numbers of cases well here's the thing too autism is a a relatively new 
diagnosis. Diagnosis. Because I feel like there are times where you've like read about a historical figure and their quirkiness. And it was like, they probably were autistic. Yeah. Uh, up you know until I mean? like 50 years ago, be- society just called them weird. Yeah. Qu- he's quiet. He's shy. He's an introvert. He doesn't he's, like people touching he's him. He's not a talker. He, he's yeah. a thinker. He, you know. Yeah. But it's, you know, and th- like, you know, as we've talked about on the podcast before, there's a scale. Yeah. You can have a touch of it. You can have a dash of it. You can have a heaping helping of it, you know? I was reading something that from like the 70s, it was like one in every like 4,000 kids had autism. And now it's more like one in every couple hundred. Oh, my gosh. However, like I said, we didn't diagnose it really right. back then, especially right. if it was just a touch autistic. Like it wasn't diagnosed sure. unless it was se- severe. Severe, yeah. So- is it on the rise? I don't know. But, I mean, we are seeing more and more and more of it. Right. But to attribute that to a vaccination that's been in existence for however many decades oh, at this point that we've had it. I mean, like, you you could mount a more compelling case that high fructose corn syrup was the cause of the rise of you actually autism. Could. You know? Yeah. Or, or, or any chemical additive introduced in the last 50 years. Yeah. You know? Or windmills. Yeah, anything. <laughs> like, I mean, measles, mumps, and rubella is or rubella. Excuse me. That just seems like the consummate stab in the dark. Yeah. But you said it yourself. I mean, it was it was a a, a falsified, completely falsified, a, a completely falsified study on an impossibly small group of people that was paid for by folks trying to litigate uh, an actual case against those who provide the vaccinations. Mm-hmm. And uh, a major purveyor for the anti-vax ideology was expert epidemiologist Jenny McCarthy. Yes. Wait. She's not an epidemiologist. She's not even a scientist. She's not? She is a uh, TV personality and Playboy bunny from the 90s. So she came forward in 2007 and announced that her two-and-a-half-year-old son Evan was diagnosed with autism two years prior, and she said it was caused by vaccines. Not... She thinks it was caused by vaccinations, not, oh, I saw a study once that said that this... No, she said this was caused by vaccinations. And if you see it on TV, it must be real. So that is basically where it came from. Because this fucking study in 1998 in Britain, like, that wasn't mainstream. Right. She brought it into the mainstream in 2007 and it spread like wildfire, and still to this day, she will not back down, despite hundreds of doctors, scientists, and medical professionals providing proof that she is wrong. Uh, but she does say that she no longer, she's no longer anti-vaccination; she's pro-safe vaccination. As opposed to all of those back alley vaccinations <laughs> yeah. we give our children these days, all that black market vaccine. Yeah, yeah. So a uh, big problem today that we have is that we have never had to deal with the diseases that these vaccines are for on a large scale. Yeah. So our generation hasn't had to witness the effects of polio or smallpox on um, a lot of people. Measles, for example, I just wanted to look up like what measles would look like. And uh, several. Hell. 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 But several anti-vaxxers, including physician Jay Gordon, who's a fucking crackpot. Fuck you, Jay. Uh, have been noted as saying that measles is almost always a benign childhood illness. But what they don't seem to remember is in the 1920s when the death rate for measles in the United States was 30%. Boy, oh boy. Measles 
uh, much like COVID-19, suppresses the immune system for months, which contributes to bacterial super infections, including bacterial pneumonia. I was going to say, so then something like pneumonia deadly. kills you. Yeah. Especially in children under five, which is who usually dies from the measles. Right. Measles can also cause acute brain inflammation, which often results in permanent brain damage. And measles can also cause corneal ulcerations, which can make people sensitive to light their entire lives or even cause blindness. And what you have to understand is that we don't have a treatment for measles. There's no way to treat measles. You're either vaccinated or you're not. You have to. The only defense we have is stopping it from happening in the first place. Literally, you get measles and the doctor will say, rest and get a humidifier and drink juice. And don't go outside anymore. Yeah, that's all you can do. So... We've got vaccinations um, causing autism, which we prove false. So let's prove some other myths false. In 2003, someone, and I honestly couldn't find who, I looked everywhere, but someone um, had suggested that vaccines could cause sudden infant death syndrome. SIDS. And since SIDS is most common in infants around the time in life where they receive the most vaccinations, the connection did seem logical. Uh, unfortunately, we still don't know what causes SIDS. Several studies have been conducted over the years and have found, have found no evidence supporting this claim. Correlation does not imply causation. Exactly. The Institute of Medicine has completely rejected it. Even VAERS, the Vaccine Ad- Adverse Event Reporting System. That's quite an acronym. Yeah, which basically all they do is they collect data and show what the data shows. Oh, good for you. They have not been able to find a relationship between SIDS and vaccinations. But this is kind of interesting news. Um, Evidence is actually mounting and they're doing uh, they're sort of testing this theory today that vaccinations could possibly protect children from SIDS. So instead of vaccinations being the cause of SIDS, the uh, the the hypothesis now <laughs> is that vaccinations could theoretically prevent sudden infant death syndrome. Yeah. The irony. Well, the thing is, is like, again, we don't know what causes SIDS, so you can't actually say that. But, you know, some person suggested it and it was like, OK, valid suggestion. But we've tested the data. We've compared all of our numbers. And it turns out more kids that have been vaccinated have not died of SIDS. Do you well, know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like you made this point. We actually looked into it. It looks like the empirical evidence suggests the that opposite. the inverse is possibly true. Another one is that infant immune systems can't handle so many vaccines. This is completely false. Um, experts have concluded that based on the number of antibodies present in the blood, a baby could theoretically have the ability to respond to about 10,000 vaccines Let's try in it. one sitting. Here's the thing. Even if all 14 scheduled vaccines were given at once, it would only use up slightly more than 0.1% of a baby's immune capacity. That's that's unbelievable. I was reading about babies in the first like six months of their life, the amount of like bacteria and germs that just go straight into that body. Sure. (laughs) Well, I mean, if you've ever seen a baby, I mean, even the most well-kempt babies have like dirty faces and they live on the floor and, you know, like... They're germ factories. Yeah, well, that is what keeps them alive. Yeah. 
Another myth is that we don't know what is in vaccines, but that's not true. We all have access to that information. Uh, along with that myth is that vaccines contain unsafe toxins. Now, some vaccines use formaldehyde, mercury, or even aluminum. And while it's true that these chemicals are toxic to the human body, they are only toxic in certain levels. And only trace amounts of these are used in FDA-approved vaccines. And it's actually been proven that formaldehyde, for example, is produced at higher rates by our own metabolic systems than is present in a vaccine. Well, there goes that argument. So there's no scientific evidence that these amounts of chemicals can be harmful to us. And finally, vaccines can infect my child with the disease it's trying to prevent. That is not how vaccines work. Um, vaccines can cause mild symptoms resembling those of the disease they are protecting against. But the common misconception is that these symptoms signal an infection in the body. But actually, in the very small percentage in which uh, symptoms do occur, it's literally, I think, like one in one million cases. The vaccine recipients are experiencing a body's immune response to the vaccine, not the disease itself. Currently, there are several vaccination arguments, um, aside from the myths, that I'm happy to also destroy. One is that if unvaccinated children are a danger to vaccinated children, then vaccines don't work. But that's incorrect. Infants, elderly, and immunocompromised individuals are still at risk for the diseases, even if they were, you know, vaccinated at age two for measles. The argument, uh, well, it should be a choice as to whether I vaccinate my children. The problem with that, as anyone who's gotten a flu shot can tell you, is that just because you are vaccinated from a disease doesn't mean there's no chance you can get any level of that disease especially if that disease is running rampant through your society. We had actually completely eradicated whooping cough and measles in the United States, and now it's a disease that children are infected with every year in growing numbers, which is infuriating. You know what's interesting? And again, this is, I have no actual uh, evidence or knowledge to support this uh, belief. Um, so if I'm wildly wrong, I, I'll own it, but... The the anti-vaccination crowd, is it not predominantly... Pro-life? No, I wasn't oh. going to say pro-life. I was actually going to say the opposite. I was going to say that for whatever reason, maybe it's because the people who are the most, uh, I guess, public and prominent are celebrities, um, but it would seem that the anti-vaccination thing would fall even like more heavily on the kind of like crunchier people, so to speak. But I guess that's not the case. No, there's not really a correlation with any group. Uh. Um, I would say the crunchier. I would say, yeah, the crunchier crowd. It's for different reasons, basically, uh. but it doesn't really sway one way or the other. Um, the pro-lifers, it's it's all religion-based, uh, and the crunchiers, it's all like chemicals in the body, yeah. and my kid doesn't eat sugar. Homeopathic reasons, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so there's not actually any sway either way, I don't think. I couldn't find any information on Interesting. who yeah. it was. But um, anti-vaxxers, you know, scream about their freedoms and rights are sort of like anti-maskers right now. I guess we can call them anti-maskers. Like, sure, you have a right and a freedom to choose not to do this thing. However, these businesses and schools and other people also have a right to say you can't come in here or come near me unless you do this thing. 
The right to swing my fist ends at the tip of another man's nose. Yeah. So freedom doesn't mean you get to do whatever you please without consequences. It just means you're not going to be legally prosecuted for this thing. Right. Um, And the moment that your quote unquote freedoms and liberties begin to infringe upon another's, they are null and void. Yeah. You have to scale back. So before I wrap it up, I wanted to list off some of the craziest anti-vax stuff I could find on the internet. Uh, Back in 2017, there was a widely shared social media post about a woman who was planning to travel with her toddler, but she mentioned that she heard that certain airline companies vaccinate people through air conditioning. That's how they get you. This obviously went viral, had a lot of people pointing fingers at this airline or that airline, um, obviously ignoring the fact that there are no are no airborne human vaccines, because don't you think if we had that, we, we would use would that? Would we still be sticking painful needles in people's arms? Right. Yeah. We'd just do like a Papa Shango WWF thing and... Yeah, exactly. Just like hold it in your hand and blow it in somebody's eyes. But logic doesn't seem to be important in these discussions. It's not everybody's strong suit. Another woman last year took to social media in a post that went viral suggesting that instead of vaccines, we should instead give a small piece of the virus to patients so the body can build a natural immunity. Just a little, just a tiny Which piece. Which is exactly just what a, little, a just a little, is. Just a little slice of virus. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and this should be interesting for the people who get their information from memes. An analysis of tweets from July of 2014 to September of 2017 revealed an active campaign by the Internet Research Agency, a.k.a. IRA, a.k.a. the Russian troll farm accused of interference in the 2016 election. Uh, there was an active campaign of theirs to spread lies about the safety of vaccines. So basically, these Russian Twitter bots were on there solely to post anti-vaccine propaganda. Uh, the College of Physicians of Philadelphia had this to say after we found proof of Russian bots spreading this propaganda. Um, they said the vaccine controversy, controversy is in quotation marks because it really shouldn't be controversial at all is a cultural issue and not a scientific one. As we see our lives being more and more informed by what we learn online, we are bound to see those who would take advantage of this new technology and misinform us in order to sow discord. Only time will tell if we as a society mature enough to learn the difference between authentic information and lies. So basically what it all comes down to, if you refuse to believe scientists... I mean, at that point, you're probably a lost cause anyway, but let's say you're still in there somewhere. You have to ask yourself what our scientific community and medical professionals would have to gain from right. potentially harming their own citizens. Right. Like, who, who would benefit from that? And also think about why Russia would want to spread propaganda with the ideal outcome being less vaccinated children in our country. Right. That's something that I would also look at. When you look at the data surrounding mortality rates for preventable diseases, the less vaccinations, the more deaths. It's very simple. But um, vaccinate your kids. Yeah, we know you love your kids. Of course you love your kids. Everybody loves their kids. That's why you got to protect them. Nobody's after your kids. Nobody's trying to inject your kids with any bad stuff. These are literally... I mean, and I'm, I've never been a blind faith guy myself, but these, these people are a hell of a lot smarter than I am, and I'm apparently a hell of a lot smarter than you are. Well, and the thing is, I, I understand not trusting the government 
Sure, I don't. Know, and, and me neither. Um, but there are scientific papers and medical papers that you can read to get all of all of this information. There's a difference. I mean, the thing is, you know, I fully subscribe to the idea of uh, the skyrocketing tuition costs in this country being part and parcel to the idea that a largely uneducated population is vastly easier to rule. Yeah. There is a there is a, a a tangible benefit to 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 the to the means by which they're justifying the end. Um, but what is the what is the benefit of having multiple outbreaks within one's own country because of a failure to vaccinate? Or or what what is the what is the benefit to to any any negative side effects that the powers that be know about that's only going to cost them billions of dollars yeah it doesn't it the, the logic doesn't add up i know why it would theoretically make sense for an uneducated public to 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 be easier to rule so to try to skew things in that direction but to contribute nothing but medical yeah nothing but sickness and and death and 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 medical mishaps and insurance bills that'll never get paid and it it doesn't it doesn't make sense no yeah i the thing is like at least study facts and make your own informed decision and double check the statistics your aunt jackie found on facebook yeah yeah (laughs) and and do yourself a favor and go to use cross-reference go to multiple sources to look for the same thing see if there's conflicting evidence if you're finding conflicting evidence then you really don't have a leg to stand on one way or the other Mm -hmm. but if you can find any degree of uniformity and if you can find it amongst websites that are not blogs try to find you know uh uh try to find uniformity um at, at least amongst verifiable sources yeah i'm interested to hear what you have to say today because it might shed some light i hope so i would like to shed some light so uh so i'm gonna uh i'm gonna step to the podium here so to speak i've obviously been on a couple conspiracy episodes to this point yeah this will be your third i think this is number three right Mm -hmm. so uh as i mentioned at the beginning of the episode it's no surprise to at least the majority of your listeners that I've dipped my toe into the pool once or twice, <laughs> and, uh, and I've come and out feeling real nice. Am, and am, and am more often than not these days feeling uh, a little less awesome about the group of people that that <laughs> that, that lumps me in with. But, you know, to to each their own. There has been outcries, maybe a strong word, but there have been very polite requests amongst your fans for more uh, Joe conspiracy episodes yes. for a while now. And I've really been wrestling with with what I wanted to talk about because I do enjoy the the subject, and I, I guess your listeners enjoy the subject too. Uh, and I I re- kind of wrestled with it for months. I didn't I couldn't really settle on anything. And and the best thing that I've come up with, the thing that like sounded right to me, was trying to figure out if and why there was a rise in conspiracy theories today. Because it just used to be the guy in the office who insisted that the CIA had Kennedy killed and everybody would kind of be like either, yeah, yeah, or, you know, like, you fucking believe Gary, you know? And now it seems like there's a conspiracy theory for every season. I would like to theorize that the answer to if is yes. (laughs) Yes. Okay. (laughs) It might be. (laughs) You might be correct about that. 
So that's why I, I wanted to I wanted to figure it out because it is pretty obvious, I guess, that that there have been a rise in conspiracy theories of late, both both in terms of you know the ferocity of belief and, and the range of conspiracies that exist. There's a conspiracy yeah. for everything now, and people are way more passionate about a lot of this shit today than even the most strident believers were, you know, of you know Kennedy or whatever. So I uh, did a little digging. And uh, conspiracy theories are hardly a new phenomenon in the United States of America. Back in 1776, there was a contingency of people, uh, and there are even still some people today who still write about this, uh, who believe that the governor of New York in 1976, a man by the name of William Tryon, who was a Tory, which is another word for a loyalist to the crown, Mm -hmm. as all of New York State was, I like to rub that in for uh, for the New York people. Uh, being a New Englander myself, we were, uh, you know, America's hometown, New England, while New York was uh, loyal to the crown, just saying. So uh, William Tryon, in this instance, or in this belief, it was that he was in cahoots with George Washington's personal bodyguards oh. as part of a secret plot to assassinate the leader of the Continental Army and the man who would go on to obviously become the first president of the country. Was there any truth to that? I mean, it was at the very least unsuccessful. I mean, true. Yeah, yeah. It, it, didn't didn't, it didn't work. Yeah. Uh, and I, I don't I, I feel like if there had been any overt attempts, they would have been documented. But they're not. Huh. Okay. But that is something that to this day, there are people who believe that the governor of New York was secretly trying to sway at least some of Washington's bodyguards to, you know, poison him or however they were going to do it. And it's continued throughout time, you know, from, you know, the all seeing eye on the back of our dollar bill, the Illuminati, all up through Roswell, Kennedy assassination, the moon landing, 9-11, you know, conspiracy theories abound and they've actually been woven into the fabric of American life for a long time. So with the rise of QAnon, it's nowadays not at all uncommon to come into contact with the person who, you know, believes that there's a child pornography ring being run by the liberal elite out of a D.C. pizza parlor or that the U.S. government is purposefully dousing its citizens with chemtrails from high-flying aircraft or that, you know, the government pays crisis actors to add legitimacy to mass shootings like at Sandy Hook Elementary is, you know, part of some false flag operation to systematically chisel away at the Second Amendment and, you know, all of that stuff. So so why is it that conspiracy theories are on the rise as we enter the third decade of the 21st century? And, and beyond that, why is it that we believe in them in the first place? What is it about us that makes us take to these things? Yes. Can I interject? Of course. Do you know what happened with the Comet Ping Pong pizza thing? No. So Comet Ping Pong was the pizza place yes, that I was that. targeted. Okay, yeah. that said but your listeners might not. So yes, shut so up. it's it was it in D.C. Yeah, yeah. So it was a place called Comet Ping Pong. It's literally like a family owned. Like I don't even think it's a chain. I think it's like an individual thing. And that was the place that supposedly was running the the child sex trafficking ring out of the basement. And, you know, the whole reason that they knew it had to do with pizza was because in, in Hillary's emails, um, pizza was mentioned. And, and they said, well, pizza must be code for little boy or little girl. And the thing is, is like, yeah, some of the emails were kind of weird, but like pizza could have been code for anything. I would be more 
I would, I would believe it more if pizza was code for cocaine. Sure. Or like some sort of drug. Like who's bringing the pizza? Yeah, tonight? who's bringing the pizza? Wink, wink. Hey, we're going out tonight, right? Who's but bringing all the pizza? of a sudden, it, something happened where they were like pedophiles. So Comet Ping Pong was um, the one that was listed as the place that was running the ring. And what ended up happening was there was a man. I can't think of his first name. His last name was Welch. Showed up at Comet Ping Pong with a rifle. Oh, I remember that. Basically kicking the door down. Like, I'm here to free the children. I'm here to free the children. Which, you know, you you know, heart's in the right place. Fucking awesome, dude. However, there's no, there wasn't even a basement. There was nothing there. And that did, yes, that did nothing to quell it. That did nothing. It was like, okay, well, it's not at Comic Ping Pong, but the owner of Comet Ping Pong. Sure. Has a base, you know what I mean, and yeah. it's just like well, not me <gasps> personally, but a uh, guy I know. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, 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 that's exactly. Anyways, it. I just wanted to throw that in because that's kind of what ended up. Ha- I didn't know that that happened. Well, people take to these things pretty strongly, and like I said, it's hard to shake them of that notion. So the first thing I want to delve into is the psychological profiling. Please. So uh, there's a man by the name of Doctor John Grohall. He is a psychologist. And he is also the founder of Psych Central, which is essentially the psychiatric equivalent of WebMD. Oh. So it's like a WebMD for mental stuff, essentially. Um, So according to him, uh, conspiracy theorists tend to share at least a majority of the following traits, conditions, and behaviors. Antisocial behavior and a proclivity to isolation. Alienation. Severe distrust. Machiavellianism. And low agreeability, meaning uncooperative, unkind, or cruel. Uh, And lastly, that they are largely undependable. Now, research suggests that a frequent endorser of conspiracy theories is likely to be higher in powerlessness, which only adds fuel to the isolation and alienation. This, in turn, leads them to seek comfort, solace, and, most importantly, community among those who share the same beliefs. People of all shapes, sizes, and creeds crave community on a biological level. And 21st century has made that search for community significantly easier for conspiracy theorists today than in generations of yore. No, beyond that, furthermore, it is suggested that conspiracy theories aid the individual in avoiding blame for their own predicament while providing meaning, security, and control over an unpredictable world. Now, Dr. Grohall goes on to state that the common conspiracy theorist's cognitive process is somewhat diminished. They are likely to overestimate the likelihood of co-occurring events, essentially drawing parallels where they do not exist, um, and to attribute intentionality where is unlikely to exist. They also have a heightened need for uniqueness, standing out, recognition being noticed for something for the first time. It's basically, this is the description of every villain before they put on the mask. Yeah, yeah, exactly. This is the this is the Joker. Yeah. This is prequel. This is Edward Nigma. Yeah. Before he puts on the Riddler suit. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and for the record, you know, I'm not fully excluding myself from this group of people. 
No. And, and I and I you want said to, a couple things. Yeah. I'm like, yep. And yep. I, I want to make that abundantly <laughs> clear because it, you know, because I'm we're having a laugh and we've, you know, said a couple things about people who believe things we don't believe in. I am not putting myself above this category of people. I just yeah. need that to be abundantly clear before I continue. This is not me looking down my nose. This is a common psychological profile of the kind of person who is more likely to go for this sort of thing. And there's a difference in the person who's like, oh my gosh, isn't it fun to think about what could have happened at Roswell? It's fun. Or isn't it fun to think about, you know, Area 51? It is. There's it's a difference fun. in that and showing up at a pizza parlor with a rifle. Because you were or, so convinced. Yeah, or, or believing that the grieving, screaming, wailing, crying mothers and fathers of their recently shot and slain eight-year-olds are paid actors. Yeah. That is the most malicious, cynical, disgusting drivel I think that I have ever heard. I am a largely distrustful person. Mm -hmm. Dr. Grohal was right about that. <laughs> largely distrustful. And it, it, maybe it's just the way that I was raised or where I was raised were a very kind of like, yeah, what's it to you kind of people. Uh -huh. And and to leap to that conclusion and to espouse that point of view publicly is, in my opinion... One of the more despicable things that a person could do. Yeah. That's just such a, in my opinion, and nothing more, the opinion of a, of a college dropout here. I think that that is about as damaged as a person can get. Yeah. So, so to, to get back to what I was talking about, especially as it pertains to that, um, that need for uniqueness. Mm -hmm. uh, Dr. Grohal states that research suggests that the need for uniqueness, more clearly defined as the possession of scarce, unconventional, largely inaccessible knowledge, has a direct link to individual narcissism, that much is certainly true of me, and a grandiose idea of the self. His prevailing belief on this research suggests that paranoid thought serves as the bridge between individual narcissism and conspiracy theories. Huh. Which is interesting. Uh, in shorter terms, uh, these are people who see patterns where they don't exist, they connect dots that cannot logically be connected, and that in doing so, they inflate their feelings of self-worth and intelligence. Essentially, you know... Sure, I may be just a gas station attendant in Des Moines, but I know what's really going on. Unlike, you know, all the sheep I sell lotto tickets and cigarettes to. Yeah. You know? It's also another easy way to sort of convince yourself, not even convince yourself, but like to feel like you aren't less than. You know what I mean? Sure. So like, that's the thing with like incels about how, you know, they they always place the hot cheerleaders and the hot guys as like doing something wrong sure. whereas they powerlessness yeah that's exactly what dr john grohall is talking about how it's oftentimes born out of a sense of powerlessness and it's created by the individual as a means of providing meaning for their existence and giving them a, a feeling of like, they've got something on everyone else. Yeah. Like, I may be the outcast, but my day will come because I know what's really going on. Right. My life is hell, 
nobody pays attention to me. And if they do, it's negative attention only that I'm receiving. So these are people who oftentimes immerse themselves in this kind of material. And now in the 21st century, there's an entire it's online so readily community available. of people. Yeah. You know, it used to be that when you were the outcast of your school, you were the outcast. You didn't have friends. Maybe you had a friend. Maybe you had a friend in the summertime who lived down the street from your grandparents when you would go spend the summer with your grandparents, you know, whatever it may now be. You've got your now D&D you go group. home seven yeah. days a week. And even if you are like the, the, the consummate whipping boy and outcast of your school, all you have to do is go home and log on and you've got an entire world of friends who believe in all the same shit as you who are just adding justific adding verification to your beliefs and your existence because yeah. here's this whole world of people who also believe in this stuff and i taught this guy something that he didn't know and this guy showed me this link that i'd never seen before so that's how that's how the the powerless transforms itself into power does that make sense the silent majority exactly as some would say exactly so so I came away feeling that most of Dr. Grohall's conclusions on the matter really struck a chord with me. Yeah. They, they really resound. It makes a lot of sense. I think some of it's maybe a touch dismissive and um, maybe a little, I don't want to say like deliberately obtuse, um, but it seemed a little, a little dismissive of conspiracy theories in general. Yeah. As like, okay, the the kind of person who believes in a conspiracy is a uh, narcissistic, powerless, emotionally detached, slow cognitive ability. It just seemed a little a little overbearing to me, maybe because it rang a little too true. <laughs> uh, but uh, but for the most part, it really painted an accurate portrait of. So many of the, you know, unrelenting, involuntary, celibate, woman-hating, victim-blaming, fear-mongering people that you can't help but bump into every time you log on to Twitter. Yeah. You can't go on a social media platform without encountering this stuff. Even if you have a carefully curated friend and, fo- and or follow list to incubate yourself so I guess the question then becomes, well, why today? Yeah. Why is it that is this it is... Is it just access to the information? Oh, well, uh, like I said earlier, you know, conspiracy theory is definitely on the rise, both in terms of ferocity and in the sheer volume of belief. Psychologically speaking, I, I feel like a person doesn't have to look too far or too hard to, to find the kind of, you know, unpredictable, distrustful, malicious atmosphere that has always served as a breeding ground for conspiracies. So think of it this way. Pause for White Claw. Sip that claw. Pause for Mango Flavored White Claw. This can be included in the episode or it can be mm, left on delicious. the cutting room floor. Yeah, guys, we've gotten into claws lately. <laughs> oh, my God. They've got their claws in us. They got, my, they got their claws in me. That's, they got their mango flavored claws in me. That's for sure. Go on. All right. So in the last 20 years of this country, we have endured the largest terrorist attack ever perpetrated on American soil, which led directly to fear mongering, uh, identifying an entire ethnic group as a dangerous, quote unquote, other and the systematic dissolution of civil liberties and personal privacy. It gave way to the longest war in American history, which very early on splintered off into a separate war 
on an additional front in a country that had nothing to do with 9-11. But they so, were still brown. So, so, then, so then the justification was, well, they have weapons of mass destruction, which nobody in the United States, the United Nations, NATO, no one in the coalition of the willing, quote unquote, found any evidence of. So moving on from there, in 2008, we have the worst economic downturn since the Great Depression, a situation which forced 10 million Americans to lose their homes, while the banks and lending services who got us into that mess in the first place were bailed out wholesale by the U.S. government, too big to fail, becoming a a common idiom in American nomenclature. People know what that phrase means now. Yeah. Yeah. After that, we had the uh, election of the first non-white president in American history, which brought about a huge number of right-wing conspiracy theories that Barack Hussein Obama was a radical Muslim operative who wasn't born in Hawaii, was in fact born in Kenya. And that means that A, he is not allowed to be president, and B, the whole reason that he was able to subvert the system was because it's all part of a plot to destroy American democracy and force us all down a path of ruin. So while all of this is going on, before, during, and since, wages in America have stagnated entirely with inflation vastly outpacing worker compensation, meaning that our dollar is worth less and less every day. This while more and more money is consolidated into fewer and fewer hands at the top of the pyramid in the last 10 years alone, the number of American billionaires has increased by 60%. And I've got to tell you, it's not middle class folks who are making that jump. Jeff Bezos makes more than double the money every second that the average American worker makes in a week. Yeah. College and university tuition has skyrocketed, which has made secondary education and job training increasingly an avenue exclusive to people who have tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars in annual disposable income. And because it's so expected of people to go to college, college. a bachelor's degree is a high school diploma now. Not even. True. Yeah, Not even. even then it's like, yeah, but would you, you used to be you able to be a high school dropout and go get a manual labor job and be able to make enough money to afford a small house? Yeah. With a yard. Even like you look at, say, you know, my grandparents, my grand, my grandma, my papa, my grandpa was a firefighter uh, and eventually the fire chief. My grandma would work when she was raising kids. She wouldn't work. But, you know, before that, when they were first married, she'd work at, you know, Macy's or whatever. Yeah. She'd work the perfume counter. They raised five kids, had in, a house. In a, in a giant farmhouse. Had a house. Country. And it's just like, I can't fathom having a kid. One. A single kid. And we rent a one-bedroom apartment. So, um, back to, you know, the college tuition part. I went to a state university in Connecticut. And I didn't go to the state university. I didn't go to the University of Connecticut. I went to Central Connecticut State University. My youngest sister, Allie, who I want to give a real quick shout out to at this moment in the episode, because I told her I was going to, I had to go to her, I had to ask her a question, she had to do a little bit of research for me, she came up big, so Allie, this one's for you, kiddo. (laughs) 
Love you, Allie. She's also, for the record, the smartest and hardest working kid at CCSU. She went. She goes to my alma mater. She's a rising senior there right now. Her tuition is 40% more expensive today than it was for me 15 years ago. Oh, my God. Now, at the more well-known state university in my home state of Connecticut, UConn, tuition has tripled since my freshman year. Automation and technology have forced thousands of American workers out of work as robots who don't need money, bathroom breaks, and insurance take their place. Speaking of insurance, I don't even need to get into the nitty gritty of what an abject nightmare the insurance no, industry you don't, has turned into. Because I'll have a fucking conniption. Premiums have skyrocketed, coverage has decreased, pre existing conditions render entire portions of whole policies moot points. Because if you have anything going into your insurance coverage, it, it, you're not going to be able to file a claim for anything. It's an absolute nightmare. And for those of you listening at home, that last sentence was brought to you by a licensed insurance agent. It's a nightmare. 2016 sees the rise and election of the most divisive figure in the history of American politics, with his rise in popularity alone serving as proof positive of growing discontent amongst the average American. After nearly four years of his presidency, we have race riots in the streets. We have a police force operating with near total impunity. And the idea of Democrats and Republicans actually working together to accomplish anything is like, I I don't know. It's like, laugh so hard you shit your pants, preposterous. The, uh, The idea of them actually getting together to get anything done at this point just makes me think about how, like, growing up you'd hear, like, you know, if pro is the opposite of con, then progress is the opposite of Congress. It's like, that was 30 years ago, and shit has gotten a billion times worse since then. And I haven't even talked about the pandemic. No. I haven't even brought up COVID, (laughs) which has forced everybody, you know, everybody who isn't completely fucking damaged indoors for the last four and a half months out of work, cost about 150,000 people in America alone their lives with no signs of slowing down in any time soon. So... I know that that's a lot and it may seem a little tangential to to my original point, but if you wanted to know why the last 20 years have seemingly brought about a rise in conspiracy theories, just look at what's gone on in this country alone in the last 20 years. Of course, conspiracy theories are on the rise. Everybody who isn't super fucking rich is getting squeezed and everybody in the middle class is being convinced by everybody in the ruling class to blame poor people for their fucking problems. Yeah. And people are upset, scared, damaged, and fearful enough to believe it. Yeah. But also, we've painted a common psychological profile for conspiracy theorists. We've identified all of the triggers and landscapes that breed them, and and none of it is pretty. But the last thing that I haven't mentioned that I feel compelled to mention last is that a huge reason why conspiracy theories are on the rise today is that more and more of them every year are being proven to be true. Mm, Yep. How many times in the last 10 years alone have you heard of a recently declassified federal government or intelligence agency document that confirms something that that very government agency denied for decades? Yeah. It's hard to completely dismiss everything. Think of it like a witness on on the stand in a trial, right? Mm-hmm. 
And under cross-examination, they get asked 100 questions. And they answer 99 of them truthfully, honestly, vividly, accurately, verifiably. When they say that one false thing, the entire testimony gets thrown out. So by that logic, it's hard to come down on anybody for believing in any conspiracy because the powers that be have told us so many different lies so stridently for so many years only to have these declassified documents surface under the Freedom of Information Act and have it be shown that they've been lying the whole time. And the only reason that they're coming out now is more often than not because the people who were lied to for all of those decades and generations are either old people or they're dead now. And the new generations that have replaced them don't care as strongly, don't remember being lied to about all of this shit. So they're coming clean to an entirely different audience of people. So just for for proof positive, I want to talk about things that I have exclusively talked about on this podcast, conspiracy-wise, that were denied for years, that were later proven to be true. We've got Operation Mockingbird. Yeah. If you didn't listen to that episode, or if you don't know or don't remember, Operation Mockingbird was the systematic infusion of CIA operatives into major media institutions across the country as a means of controlling the narrative and the tone of the news of the day during the Cold War. Denied for decades, verified to be true. You can go ahead and look this up. This, and, and I, so I don't have to say that for absolutely everything I bring up. You can look up every single one of these things. I'm not grasping at straws. These things have all been proven. Number two, the rise of special interest groups, chiefly the military-industrial complex that President Eisenhower warned us about in his farewell address. Eisenhower was not some Harvard-educated, liberal elite, limp-wristed pussy, as as it would be so eloquently put by those who would attempt to, to smear such a warning. General Eisenhower was not only a general, he was the commander of the Allied forces in World War II. He was the guy, not just the guy in this country, he was the guy at the top of the Allies. And in his farewell address, he warned the American public about the growing influence of contractors as being a driving force not only within the military, but also within the sphere of government. Case in point, former Vice President Dick Cheney and his defense firm Halliburton. Dick Cheney's company, Halliburton, received a $7 billion contract from the U.S. government in the run-up to the Iraq War. In the days, literally days, leading up to the Iraq War, Dick Cheney's company, Halliburton, which was being held by family while he was serving in office, still well within the family, got a $7 billion contract from the U.S. government in the days leading up to the Iraq War, and the only company that was allowed to apply for that contract was Halliburton. So, that's fair. There's MK Ultra, <laughs> a 20-year-long oh, yeah. CIA mind control program studying the effects of LSD, electroshocks, uh, sensory deprivation, and physical and verbal abuse 
on over 100 American civilians serving as stand-ins for the hypothetical enemy combatant, vehemently denied by the CIA, with Director Richard Helms ordering the destruction of all evidence prior to the first congressional inquiry on the matter. Some wonderful person did not destroy all of the evidence. Verified as true. After denying it for decades. That's how we got the Unabomber. That's how we got the Unabomber. False flag operations. We'll start with the Gulf of Tonkin, which is something that a lot of people probably don't know about. Well, in the Gulf of Tonkin, there was a U.S. warship off the coast of Vietnam in 1964. This is before full-scale combat, full-scale conflict in the region. At this point in time, the only Americans in and around Vietnam are special forces, small groups of special forces who are there to train South Vietnamese to fight like American special forces against the North Vietnamese. That's all that's going on at this point. That's important to know because according to the news of the day, the USS Maddox, a battleship, right off the coast of Vietnam in the Gulf of Tonkin, is fired upon by several smaller North Vietnamese ships that are monitoring its presence. The Maddox returns fire, destroys a couple of the boats, kills a handful of North Vietnamese sailors, yada, yada, yada. News gets reported to America, USS Maddox is fired upon, Maddox returns fire, kills a handful of guys. Two days later, U.S. intelligence, chiefly the CIA, briefs President Lyndon Johnson that a second attack has occurred in the Gulf of Tonkin. They provide the president with radar images of an increased North Vietnamese naval force in the region, suggesting an escalation of force and aggression. This led President Johnson to draft and pass the Gulf of Tonkin Resolution, which expands American involvement in the region, which paves the way for the Vietnam, which leads to 58,000 American soldiers and approximately 1.3 million North and South Vietnamese soldiers and civilians losing their lives in the conflict. In 2005, after decades of denials in the face of pressure and probing, the NSA declassifies documents under the Freedom of Information Act that admit that the second incident never occurred at all. That incident and the radar images that were provided to sitting President Lyndon Johnson were deliberately doctored and forged as a means of justifying further conflict in the region to openly combat communism and having an excuse to do so. Furthermore, the Pentagon Papers confirm that not only was the second event a complete fabrication, but also that in the first event, it was the USS Maddox that had fired first on the North Vietnamese vessels who were patrolling off the shore of their own country. We literally went there, started shit, and, I mean, started a completely pointless war. Entirely pointless, entirely did not need to happen. The news of the day, as, as was reported to both President Johnson and the American public, was that the USS Mac Maddox had been fired on first, and then two days later they'd been attacked again, the first part was untrue. The second part never existed in the first place. They even went so far as to doctor radar images to force his hand on the matter. And lastly, in, in our generation, when I say our, I mean millennials, uh, Gen Z, we have the preposterous idea of the National Security Administration listening to our phone listening calls, to our phone calls storing them on secure servers, monitoring our web browsing history, 
storing those on secure servers. I mean, I myself was told that I was out to fucking lunch for believing that that was happening yeah. when I was in college. Laughed at. This, this went from a far-fetched conspiracy theory to then, uh, under the Obama administration, just so you know that there's no you know, partisan hacking here done on my part. He's part and parcel to this shit, too. Mm-hmm. You know, it, was, it went so far as, okay, yes, listen, Verizon is consolidating and giving this information to the NSA, but they're only monitoring people who have been deemed threats to America. And then Snowden leaked to WikiLeaks. And then that was proven to be absolute fucking bullshit. They're stealing it on everybody. Complete invasion of privacy, collecting that information and storing it without a warrant, without any oversight from any of our three branches of government. That is also not a democracy. For as much as we bitch and moan about Congress's partisan infighting and their inability to get anything fucking done and how we are every bit as divided today as a country as we were during the Civil War... You still need the legislative, executive, and judicial branches to be paving the way in order to continue to call yourself a democracy. And when you have intelligence agencies taking over, running amok, lying to the American public for decades, and then coming out 40 years later and being like, ah, yeah, we, yeah, I don't know, yeah, we were full of shit. It was the Cold War. Like, I don't know, what do you want from us? It was the Cold War. <laughs> we did what we had to do. Uh, it was about security. It was about keeping Americans safe. We couldn't tell people, fucking horse shit. It's all fucking bullshit. It's all fucking horse shit. That's not democratic. And nobody should stand for it. And if you do support that kind of thing, then you are no longer a proponent of democracy. That's okay. That's your prerogative. You're allowed to believe in whatever you want to believe in. But if you want to know why conspiracy theories are on the rise today, it's because people have been fucked with, people have been disenfranchised, people have been held down, subjugated, they've lost their jobs, they've lost their homes, they've lost their ability to earn an honest living for themselves. They've been told that they need to pull themselves up by their bootstraps after their job has been shipped overseas to somebody who's going to work for a fraction of the wages because it's going to help billionaires become extra billionaires. And those of us on the ground floor are supposed to just stick our heads in the sand, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it's they've lost hope. They've lost people have lost hope. So if you want to know why conspiracy theories exist, it's because we have more frustration and powerlessness, which are fueling our worst fears, our greatest paranoias. They're forcing people to identify with like-minded individuals who also feel disenfranchised and powerless. And we're all feeling their wrath now. And they're being fueled by the ever-growing list of crackpot conspiracy theories that just need enough time to be proven true. That doesn't mean that the measles vaccination is going to give your kid autism. And that doesn't mean that there are people who are paid to stand outside an elementary school where 28-year-old children have just been murdered to pretend to cry so they, we can take your guns away. But it does mean that we should understand what is causing people to react so violently 
to the world today because the world is an absolute unmitigated disaster for the overwhelming majority of people who live in this country. And in the words of Forrest Gump, that's all I have to say about that. And that's all I have to say about that. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing about, you know, QAnon especially is the overwhelming majority of people involved, at least. They're lonely people and they're scared people and they are frustrated people who just don't know where to direct it. So it's easy to be given a name like Chrissy Teigen. Sure. It's easy to direct that frustration and fear and anger and hatred towards her. Towards someone who, who hasn't seemingly done anything. Has, who just, she doesn't have to have done anything. All she has to have, all she has to do or have is to just seemingly have the perfect life. Yeah. She's rich. She's, she's famous. Beautiful. She's beautiful. Her husband is rich and famous. And beautiful. And beautiful. What could Chrissy Teigen, how could she possibly understand me? She doesn't know a damn thing about how hard my life has been. And furthermore, she reminds me of every single girl in high school who laughed at me. If I even so, if I so much as thought about saying something to them. But yeah, it's getting past that and like actually having a conversation, which today we're just at a point with um with certain uh people who who are passionate about these conspiracy yeah, theories listen, that, the, the that you that can't speak of, to them. Right. The, you know, the fact that a bunch of conspiracy theories have been proven to be true or admitted to be true, either or doesn't mean that all conspiracy theories are true. No. You know? Um, I don't personally believe that there is a child pedophilia ring being run out of a DC pizza parlor. But we know that there are plenty of child pedophilia rings that exist. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we don't, you know, I don't believe that vaccinating uh, my hypothetical child against measles and mumps is going to make them autistic. But once upon a time, a bunch of people would have laughed you out of the room if you told them that you thought that the CIA was conducting mind control experiments on American citizens. So there comes a point where you get an individual who is powerless enough, damaged enough, fearful enough, lonely enough, distrustful enough. Who the fuck am I to tell them that they're an idiot for believing in X, Y, or Z? Just because I don't believe it and just because I think that some of this shit is outlandish, enough outlandish shit has been proven to be true where I feel like I myself have at least lost the the the, the ability to confidently stand on both legs and tell them that they're a fool for believing in crisis actors or chemtrails. Just because I don't believe in it doesn't mean that I feel like I've got a leg to stand on in that argument. I feel like today, unfortunately, because I agree with everything you're saying, the problem is that this is happening on such a large scale with so many people and, and they all have Twitter accounts, they all have Facebook accounts, they all have this and that and the other. You know, they're reeling people in who would have never, ever, ever believed this stuff before. And not only that, but they are committing violent acts more and more and they're harassing people. Harassing people 
I mean, slander and libel are different than a conspiracy. Saying, I'll put it this way, saying, I believe that there is a child pornography ring being run out of a DC pizza parlor basement is a very different statement than Chrissy Teigen and John Legend are running a child pedophilia ring. That's just, that's libel. That's, I mean, that's, that's a felony. Yeah. You know, that's, that's a crime. That's not a conspiracy theory. And to, like, attack them every single minute of every day for no reason because someone made something up that's where it's like what how do we what do we do you know we're at a point now where there are i mean probably well over a hundred million people in this country who don't trust mainstream media and they fall on both sides of the political aisle yeah this is not something that is exclusive to Trumpers. This is not something that is exclusive to the quote-unquote liberal elite. And the reason that it exists is because time and again, we see Fox News and CNN make complete fucking asses out of themselves with their partisan bullshit. The days of Walter Cronkite reporting the news are gone. Everything has a slant now. When I read the news, the only way that I can actually gather news is Reuters. I use an international independent news source because it's the only way that I can hope to get a straight scoop. Something that where the tone or the narrative of the piece isn't slanted one way or another, where things aren't going to be conveniently omitted that would theoretically undercut the intention of the article uh-huh. or this, the news segment for that matter. So we're at a point in time where people are overtly, deliberately spreading misinformation as a means of getting people to latch on to these beliefs, like you said, people who normally wouldn't believe in this stuff. And the only reason that it is actually able to take hold is because the institutions the media the major media institutions in this country are proven increasingly partisan and increasingly untrustable yeah it's getting to the point now too when you're you're having a discussion and you're like just google it it's so easy it's like <laughs> google yeah right yeah and it's like what i'm, I'm going to get it's a, a search engine it's a search engine but it's also like i get where they're coming from it's a search and en- search engine that's going to come that's going to turn up uh, 50 different answers mm-hmm. for my very simple question, depending on who's answering it. Mm-hmm. But then it becomes, who do you go to for your answers then? Right. That's the, Well, that's the question. I mean, but that's the thing with like these, uh, especially I keep going back to QAnon because they're the ones that I have the most experience with. The only people that tell the truth are Donald Trump and Q, who isn't even real. Who isn't even a real person. Who's not even a real person. Well, it's a real person, but it's not yeah. who it says he is. Right. He says he's a general and he, you know, has all this insight. Sure. It's a guy yeah, in the I'm basement. Yeah, fu- I'm a fucking astronaut. Yeah. It's a dude who's got a bunch of Cheeto dust on his fingers and one of his hands down his pants while he types. Yeah. And so it's like, that's where I think it's becoming so dangerous right now because we're so on the cusp of like... You know, 1984 being we, a real we are, thing. No, we are on the cusp of unmitigated chaos where yeah. you don't know where to turn for literally anything. And it's their fault. Yeah. All of them. Everybody's. It's Walmart's fault. It's Bezos's fault. It's, it's the American fault. government's fault. It's the intelligence agency's fault. It's the major media institution's fault. And it's the American people's fault. It's literally everyone's fault. 
and and I and I don't know how you fix it. Me neither. But we have gone way over time, so I have to wrap this up. Wrap it up. That's all the time we have this week for Keep It Weird. Thank you as usual for tuning in and listening to our show. Just a heads up, we will not have an episode next week. We're taking a few days off for Joey's birthday, oh. so we won't be able to record. But we'll be back the next week with some more crazy conspiracies i'm gonna lighten it up though i'm gonna go um, i have a, a wacky idea okay good spoiler thank you to everyone who follows us on social media and likes and shares our posts if you'd like to join us you can follow us on facebook instagram and twitter at keep it weirdcast um that's our handle everywhere you go if you want to support the show in a financial way you can join our patreon or buy some merch our Patreon can be found at www.patreon.com slash keepitweirdpodcast. And you can donate $1, $5, or $10 to our show, and you'll get access to a ton of bonus episodes and also be sent a monthly newsletter full of cool stuff. And if you want to get yourself a Keep It Weird shirt, tank top, tote bag, baby onesie, hoodie, button, or even a magnet, you can do so at www.etsy.com slash shop slash keep it weird podcast what is our sign off today circle the wagons save yourselves trust no one trust no one and keep it weird guys keep it weird I was just pausing for Gabby to oh. get out of the litter box because I don't. <laughs> I don't think our listeners want to hear about it. But maybe when she comes out, she'll announce to us what kind of. Um, I hope so. What if kind of experience she had? Now, do you think when Gabby, because she doesn't announce everyone, when she makes the announcement, do you think it's like a like a holy hell? I really had to grin and bear that one. Or do you think it's more like positive? Like, like a relief. Like, ha ha. Yeah, like a exclamatory or uh, declarative. Like, I have shat. <laughs> I pooped. I pooped, everyone. Behold, apartment. I'll tell you what. It sounds like misery. Yeah, because she comes out and she's like, ah. <laughs>